This is Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe. Now, here's Patrick McEnroe. All right, time for another edition of Holding Court, everyone. And uh, this gentleman and I, have been, we, we've sort of been playing Twitter tag, phone tag, text tag, whatever you want to call it for a while, trying to uh, set up a time to get this man on my show. He's John Heyman, and he's one of the great baseball insiders for MLB, for WFAN, which is the big radio station where, where I'm from in New York and where you're also from, John. And you and I have a connection, I guess, through that, but also through our mutual interest in baseball and tennis and so on. Uh, so the first thing I got to ask you is, since obviously since the season just ended in baseball, is your overall take. I know you predicted exactly right that the Dodgers w- w- would win it and win it in six, and they did. But it was, it was a weird and wild baseball season, obviously, with the pandemic and so on going on. But just going to Give me your overall take now that you've had a couple of days to digest it. Well, thank you for remembering, uh, Patrick, that I, that I actually picked the Dodgers at six. It's uh, the first time uh, at the beginning of the year I actually uh, picked the Dodgers, and, and they actually came through for me. I, I basically have picked them almost every year. Um, I think in 2018 I switched. The Astros were so impressive in 17. I went back to the Astros. Didn't realize they were cheating, of course, in 17. That's probably why I was so impressed. <laughs> right, right. But uh, I've, I've always been picking the Dodgers. I always think they have the best team, and I certainly did this year, and proved out to be right. And the best team won, which was interesting because we had 16 teams in the playoffs, normally only 10 in the playoffs, and uh, the best team usually doesn't win the World Series. Mm-hmm. This time, with 16 in, uh, the best two teams came out of it. I, I admire Tampa for what they've done to get there. Incredible job, but... I mean, the Dodgers, fantastic team. And in my mind, anyway, and I tweeted this in the middle of the uh, LCS, I believe it was, um, that they had three of the ten best players in baseball uh, with Betts, uh, Bellinger, and Seager. And I I said uh, the unofficial rankings are two for Betts, five Bellinger, and Seager, the ninth best player in baseball. And, boy, did I get pushed back on that. First, many people think Betts was the best player mm-hmm. in baseball, not Mike Trout. I am not ready to unseat Mike Trout. Uh, Bellinger, they thought it was a little too high. And, boy, did Seager. They, nobody thought he was in the top ten. But uh, I think the, based on the LCS play and the uh, World Series play and winning the MVP in both, um, I don't look quite quite as stupid uh, as I did earlier. I <laughs> it's guess, al- it's so. always a good idea, John, as I've learned in you know predicting tennis. Like you go out there and make a prediction, and normally when you're wrong, people pay sort of don't pay much attention to it. But once so once in a while, you get it right. Actually, I remember one year when Nadal won Wimbledon. I think it was it was the second Wimbledon, not the epic win over Federer, when he beat Thomas Burdick in the final. And I predicted the score, not not that he would win or not that it would be three sets, but I actually predicted the score exactly right. right. Which, again, you know, yeah, normally you do that just for the hell of it. No one remembers. But just by the chance that you actually get it right, and I think it was 5-3-4, and four, I believe, was the final wow. score. So, you know, that's why it's good to make predictions because usually Amazing. If, you're making, if you're making that's enough good. of I'm them. Gonna yeah, if, if I'm going to stick with the predictions. I figured if I picked the Dodgers – 32 years in a row, they, they'd win once for me. I, I, I didn't think, and I always, I always felt bad. If I went off the Dodgers and then they won, I'd feel like a complete idiot. So I stuck with the Dodgers. I, I did think they had the best team. Um, you know, they, they, their pitching uh, was very good. Their hitting was spectacular. And, uh, you know, Bueller, Kershaw, and Urias, I think they pitched uh, 
half of their innings between those three pitchers, and they really relied on those three. And to consider that David Price opted out, and they lost Ryu, who was second in Cy Young, to free agency. They traded Maeda, who was really fantastic for the Twins. They traded uh, Hill. Uh, he, Hill went to the uh, Twins also, actually, as a free agent. Um, you know, and they traded Stripling to the Blue Jays. The fact that they basically traded or lost the entire rotation and still had enough pitching to win, barely enough pitching to win, but uh, they did do it. So uh, like, I was very happy. With yeah, and I, I was happy to see. I mean, obviously, I'm not a huge – I'm a Yankee fan uh, through and through. Uh, oh. uh, but, you know, to see Kershaw finally win it, and, you know, he's not the pitcher that he once was, but even, you know, in game five, he sort of battled through it without having his best stuff, and maybe he's not going to have his best stuff as much as he did, uh, you know, a few years ago. But it was sort of nice to see him. I mean, it, it, I did a, a podcast actually recently john with henrik lundquist you know and he's an all-time great yep. for the rangers and, and playing the, in, in the net so you know it's it's such a bummer for me as a fan of the rangers and of him to not have him been able to win that stanley cup so for kershaw i'm not a, as i said not a dodger fan but he's obviously one of the all-time greats. so it was nice to see him win it and also the way he had to do it you know winning the game five after what happened, especially in game four, that he sort of stepped up without his best stuff, but battled. I think, what do you give him, five, six innings, two runs? Um, yeah, you know, I believe five innings. Five yeah. innings to keep a minute. And so it was, it was nice to see someone of his stature, you know, finally get that, uh, that championship. Yeah, I mean, to me, he, he's the best pitcher since Koufax. Um, so that's pretty good. I guess somebody can make a, <laughs> yeah, that's a real case good. for yeah. Pedro Martinez, maybe, yeah. or Greg Maddox, Randy Johnson. But, uh, I mean, t to me, Kershaw is the best. If you look at the numbers, they're just incredible. He has not been quite as good in the postseason, to be fair about it. I know he doesn't love those questions. I, I do think there are some solid excuses. Obviously, I referenced the Astros cheating. Uh, that did not help him. Uh, that was only one series, of course, though. Uh, I think the Cardinals... They didn't cheat. They they were just very good about picking up his pitches. He obviously was tipping to them because uh, they killed him three or four times uh, years back, uh, and uh, I think that hurt him. And also, I think I just think even though I love Tory, I love Mattingly, love Roberts, I think they just defer to him so much. They mm. just they just feel that he's so great they can't take him out. It wouldn't be right. I don't think it's the criticism that they might receive. I think it's just that they have such reverence for him that they never could take him out, and that's why. His ERA after the sixth inning uh, in the postseason is seven uh, plus. Right, and right. uh, I, I just think, you know, it, some of this is on the manager. So I think there's some excuses there, but I think it's fair to say he has not been as great in the, in the uh, postseason as the regular season. He, he did get a couple questions about that after winning the World Series, and uh, I wasn't there. I've stayed out of the bubble. I'm, I'm not, I haven't gotten to one game this year. I mean, I used to go to mm – -hmm. there was a year I went to 154 game, regular season games covering the Angels back in, in 1987. I didn't go to one game this year. Um, but I, I my understanding is he, he was not thrilled. There were a couple questioners – uh, of the fact that he's changing his reputation, that he hadn't been so good in the postseason. He he just doesn't want to hear it. And, you know, I get it. I, I definitely get it. And uh, I'm, I'm with you. I'm glad to see him uh, step up and have that big series. He could have been the MVP, but uh, I'm happy that it was Seager, based on my, my ranking of him as the ninth best player in baseball. So uh, either way, it could have gone either way. It could have gone for Turner, too, uh, who obviously had a mm -hmm. kind of a funny ending there in the in the, not maybe not so funny, but a, a weird ending there in the uh, 
in the World Series. I mean, when you look at overall, you, you referenced it earlier in your earlier comments, the overall season, you know, 60-game season, and then so many teams in the playoffs. And I heard from, you know, so many experts early on, to, now this isn't a real – you know, I've heard this in tennis too, by the way, that it's not the same. There's no fans. There's an asterisk next to Dominic team winning the U.S. Open. I don't buy that. And I think it's interesting that even in a 60-game in a season and then in, in the playoffs, which obviously they, they played a lot of games with, with a lot more teams than normal, that, as you said, the better teams won. So do you think that – I mean, obviously baseball's got to make money like all sports, right? So, but, but to me, it's like when people ask me about tennis and they say, well, best of five, they should go to best of three, or, you know, no, best of five, the better players win. And my argument – I mean, I love best of five, especially in the majors, because I think it brings a certain drama – just like a seven-game series, for example, in baseball or in basketball. But to me, the better team's going to win pretty much no matter what the format is. And I think there's an argument to be made in baseball that, you know, that played out this year and it was such an obviously such a bizarre year. Would you agree or disagree? Yeah, I, I, it, it certainly did. Uh, the best team uh, won, I think, and the second best team came in second, and I think that's great the way they worked out. I'm always a little disappointed when a, a team that wins 83 or 85 or 86, whatever games, wins. You know, the first year that I really was full-time on baseball, the, the Twins won in, in 87, and nobody felt like uh, they were the best team. They just could not lose at the Homer Dome. They had this big advantage there, and outside of the Homer Dome, they were a losing team, and same thing with the uh, Cardinals in 2006. I think uh, the Tigers were a dominant team. They just rolled through the playoffs and then got stale when they rested in, uh, between the World Series and the uh, LCS, and uh, the Cardinals ended up winning. Uh, I'm always a little disappointed when that happens. I like to see the best player win. Uh, as you know, I'm not the tennis expert, certainly uh, not, not only not, the, not one that, like you, but not a tennis expert at all, but uh, my daughter does go to your camp, as you know, and you're, it's a fantastic camp. I will put in that plug. Incredible. <laughs> and uh, you do that. great Thank work, yeah. and we really appreciate it. Uh, we're not tennis prodigies, but we have fun with it, so uh, that's great, too. You don't have to be a prodigy to go to your camp, but uh, you have some prodigies and some, some regular people. But uh, you know what? I, I've heard that about Dominic Team winning, too, but you know, I don't think that's fair. You know what? I think he's caught in this era where the three greatest players of all time are playing and they have really, I don't want to say hogged, but they've won mm -hmm. almost all the majors, right? So it's almost not fair to a uh, team and Zverev and uh, Varinka and all, and Murray and all these players who are really good players, uh, mm -hmm. Chilich, and, you know, they're going to end up with lifetime, you know, far, far fewer titles, uh, you know, than, than they normally would have. I mean, in most eras, there aren't three all-time, all-time. Right. I mean, I think these are the three greatest players of all time. I don't know what you think. Obviously, you, when you played and your brother played, uh, he, he dealt with Lendl and Borg and some really good players, but not some great players. I mean, all-time great players, but uh, they weren't guys who played for uh, 15 to 20 years and won 15-plus majors. So, uh, you know, I, I, I was rooting for team. I was, I was thrilled that he won. I think he's a fantastic player, and I... I felt bad that he uh, lost to uh, uh, Djokovic in, in in the Australian, and um, I think it wasn't a, wasn't there a match where he won six? He was up six zero on. Uh, that was Nadal at the U.S. Open a couple of years yes, ago. Yeah, and I, yeah. I felt so bad that he didn't win that. I mean, you beat Nadal six zero, and you end up losing. <laughs> losing five. Not yeah. fair. 
Yeah, well, it's not fair. welcome to sports, right? Just so you know, like, yeah, it's tough. Welcome to being the uh, the Tampa pitcher of Snell in uh, Game Six, right? Oh my God! I don't mean, get me started. Well, how could, that, how could that happen? I don't. I mean, I'm, uh, I'm, I mean, I mean, I know they're into the analytics and all this. They analyze <laughs> this stuff till no end. But I mean, just as a as a casual fan, which I am of baseball, I mean, what the hell were they thinking? <laughs> I don't. I have no idea. And I <laughs> talked to Dodger executives, and they were all texting each other at that moment, saying, "All right, we got him out of the." game he's out we don't have to deal with him and he, anymore he's given up like that was a second hit he gave up in the game right absolutely and he had no walks nine strikeouts the top three hitters in the dodger lineup who happen to think are their three best probably overall hitters and i think mm-hmm. bellinger's incredible as an overall player but they're over their best hitters uh one two and three which are Betts, seager and turner were over six with six strikeouts and people don't even point out their their fourth hitter muncie um was old for two with a strikeout and a tap back to the mound. And, uh, you know, obviously Seeger and Muncie are left-handed. Um, it made no sense whatsoever. I mean, I, you know, it's hard to second guess them in a way to, with the 28th payroll to have gotten to the position that they got within two games of beating the Dodgers in the world series, a fantastic job overall by cash. But I mean, you've got to, you've got to adjust to what's going on. You can't just go by the script or, you know, you, you you have to realize the guy's been fantastic. You got to open your eyes and look at it. And uh, I mean, the Dodgers are heavily analytic, and and they realized it. They were thrilled to see Snell come out of the game. It it made no sense. And I think he had, what do you have seventy three pitches, something like that, which Just is not a lot. I mean, and this is not a lot. Not a yeah. lot at all. Been, I mean, I I know he had not pitched into the seventh inning one time this year, but I mean, this is kind of a special occasion. You game think? six, you're dominating. Yeah. yeah. You know, you, you gotta you gotta stick with him. It was a mistake. I, I think he didn't even admit it was a mistake. I mean, I guess none of these guys. That's why they're so successful. They're so proud and confident and all that. I, you know, I would have been beating my head against the wall by the by the seventh inning of the game. You know, and 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 second guessing myself. But he's a confident fellow, and uh, he's the one guy who thinks that move made sense. But I, I will say this: I saw A Rod and other people criticizing the. Um, the Rays is a bunch of Ivy Leaguers, and they don't know anybody. You know, Kevin Cash went to Florida State, and uh, their general manager is one of the few that is not an Ivy Leaguer. In fact, Eric Neander, who I had on my own podcast, uh, a really nice fellow, he went to Virginia Tech, not even the University of Virginia, not to, not to downgrade it, <laughs> right, but right, you're right. a Stanford man. You understand. Yeah, Florida State, Virginia Tech, I got it. By the way, your podcast. Right, it's not even the University of Florida and the University I of Virginia. Understand. So to lambast them as Ivy Leaguers. They, they, I mean, you couldn't be much farther from the Ivy League than the further from the Ivy League than that. So, by the way, your podcast uh, not is, a fair criticism. Your podcast is great. I listened to it with Tony Gwynn Jr. and you guys were you, both of you actually picked the Dodgers in six. So well done to you. And um, I, I learned a lot listening to that because, as I said, you know, I'm not a baseball aficionado in 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 any way, shape, or form. But I I, I do want to ask you this one thing. But I do want to get a little bit into tennis too because I know you're interested in that and your daughter plays and love watching her play as she's been able to do in the summers at, at, at our academy and other she times. She fun. Well. We're in it for the fun. We're not uh, looking for the Division One or anything I like understand. that. But I she understand. enjoys it. Well, that's, well, that's <laughs> number one. But when you mentioned Kershaw and then you mentioned what happened in the World Series um, with the Rays, it gets me thinking about, you know, the, the pitchers and they don't want to take the, the, you know, they're on these pitch counts or he can't go into the seventh or whatever it is, right? The analytics and so on. There's so many expert pitchers now in the bullpen. It's so different than it used to be. But do you think that the, when he's, even when you look at Kershaw, okay, who's 32, 
All right, and now you think 32 is, is and maybe it is old for a pitcher. By the way, we used to think that was old for top tennis players. Okay, now you've got right. Federer, who's, you know, in his late 30s. Djokovic is 33. Nadal is 34. Okay, and I'm sorry. I know pitching is very extreme on the arm and the elbow and all that, but tennis is a way more physical sport. Um, than overall than baseball. So you should be, I guess my question is this, is it because of the managers and because of the analytics that pitchers now, they're just not used to, it's like playing five sets, right? They're used to playing three sets because they've become accustomed to that for better or for worse. And so for when you say Kershaw, yeah, he doesn't do well after the seventh in the postseason. Well, could that be because, he doesn't pitch that long that often. I mean, I know he, he I guess he does in the regular season. You look at his numbers, are yeah. phenomenal. Explain a little bit of that to me and why that is. And do you think that's affected sort of the way pitchers look at, wait a second, I'm still pitching well. Why are you taking me out in the sixth or seventh inning? Yeah, I, you know, part of it is the analytics. And I, th- I think the analytics, Ava did have a point. The analytics has proved to be better for the regular season than it has for the mm. postseason. Okay. And I'm not exactly sure why that is. Um, look at the Oakland A's. Their team has no money. Billy Beans uh, won on a shoestring forever. He's won 90-plus games, the majority of the last decade. Incredible. And they, they never seem to do much in the postseason. This was the first year in who knows how long that they actually won one round uh, over the White Sox. And the White Sox were so appalled, uh, they changed their managers and hired a 76-year-old who's a whole <laughs> famer. Which, which you are all over today, by the way, on Twitter. Tony so, La Russa, yeah. amazing, yeah. right? Tony La Russa is the new, ma- new manager and the old manager. And Jerry th- Reinsdorf regretted this for 34 years. He walked around regretting this. I mean, right. he doesn't regret breaking up the Bulls. This was this is his greatest regret. Was, but but, was, but can, can, can the people complaining, I saw you tweet, about a couple baseball writers, you know, and complaining. Uh, they, they, you know, we voted him into the Hall of Fame a couple. I mean, come on, give me a break. Let the guy, the guy <laughs> well, wants to manage. To... <laughs> they wants to manage, and someone wants to hire him. God bless him. That's what I say. <laughs> well, that was, you know, you're you're young at heart because that was the reaction of all the young people on Twitter when uh, I quoted Jack O'Connell, who said he was very disturbed about this. They oh, put please. Tony Larusa in the Hall of Fame in 2014, and. You know, uh, they're pretty particular about the, uh, the fact that the, these managers, uh, obviously a player, we know when the players retire. They, they generally don't come back after uh, five years. Well, in, ten- uh, in tennis, Martina Hingis retired, went to the Hall of Fame, and then she came back and then played a few <laughs> well, more years in doubles. You know? Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. I, I good for Tony fine. La Russa well, and good for the yeah. Chicago White Sox. And it's, good. Yeah. it's a great story for baseball. It, when will baseball start again? Tell me that. Right. Yeah, and I and I also don't think he can undo his Hall of Fame credentials. He's won three World Series titles and been to six World Series. That's not going to change. But you know, I mean, I, these guys take it seriously, and they don't want to vote on somebody until they All the right, person whatever. declares they're retired. So anyway, I'm giving you what he what he thinks. But I got you. You're in the majority, and you're certainly young and hard. I, you know what? I think the one of the issues, and certainly when I was a kid, and you, you're a little bit younger than I am, but you'll remember. Back in the 70s and in, in even the 80s, um, it used to be the shortstop wasn't much of a hitter, and even the center fielder was right. often wasn't a hitter. And I, you know, I think that uh, the pitchers in the in those eras, and of course Tom Seaver, all time great, and Jim Palmer and Catfish Hunter, and I'm not taking anything away from them, mm-hmm. but. You know, it's a little bit easier to throw 300 innings plus when you're when you've got a little breathers in the lineup. I mean, the first team I ever covered That's was true. that 87 yeah. Angels team. 
their, their center fielder, not only their shortstop was Dick Schofield, who, who was mostly a defensive player, but their center fielder was Gary Pettis, and you can look this up. I think he had one home run and 126 <laughs> strikeouts. Right. One, can you imagine today wow. a center fielder with yeah. one home run and 126 strikeouts and, and they're playing them to the very end of the well, season? Well, it's like, it's like every sport, right? I mean, they just, you know, you go down the line, whether it's tennis or whether it's basketball, you know, players just getting better, getting stronger. And then you've got guys coming out of the pen in baseball that are, I'm not going to say also rounds, but are just kind of run of the mill relievers, but they can, they can throw. And they and because right. so, you just you're developing, you know, there's more money in all the sports. There's more money. There's more, you know, a motivation for kids. And there's leagues, and I call it the professionalization of youth sports, which is a which is an issue right. in and of itself in every sport, probably too much. But that's what creates, you know, these phenomenal athletes. So I guess you're right. I guess you know times have changed. So we got to roll with the times. Who's your favorite, uh, John, tennis player to watch? Oh, Federer! I mean, you know, I'm I'm with not the, even close. Fed crowd. Uh, I mean, I, I I was I don't know. Do you know Billy Bean? The not the not the A's Billy Bean. The other the the uh, head of diversity of Major League Baseball. I mean, Billy I know Bean. I know of him. I don't know him personally. Yeah, and he we play tennis, and he's a little better than I am. But we play, and he he was a Major League player uh, mm-hmm. in the late '80s, early '90s, and uh, we were texting back and forth for that match. Um, Wimbledon match with uh, Djokovic and oh, it was heartbreaking. My oh my well, for god! For Federer fans, that was yeah, that was yeah. really heartbreaking. Yeah. I yeah, I'm, I think he's over. I think that's the thing about Federer. He's like a closer in baseball. He's able to put it out of his mind and go on to the next match and not worry about it. But Billy Bean and I are still lamenting the fact that he had two serves mm. to close it out and uh, and didn't do it. Let me you let, know? let me um, let, let me let me let you in, John, on a little secret. Okay, I've never I've, I've never told I've showed yeah. this to a couple of people, but I haven't put it out there broadcasted. So I'm going to do it now. I don't know why. I'm just going to do it because I was in the booth commentating that final. It's called the bunker. We call it at Wimbledon, you know. And you can't. Um, there's three of us in there for the final. Myself, my brother, Chris Fowler. And it's so tight. Normally, it's just two in the in the booth, but for the semi and the final, we usually do three. But it's such it's such tight quarters. You can't even stand up in the booth because it's 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 wow. you know you have to lean in, you have to lean down. And if one of us wants to just stretch, or you don't have to go down these little stairs. So I actually because to me it was so historic what Federer was going to do. Um, to win that match, you know, based on his age and the history and all that, I actually took my phone out at 40:15 when he was serving for the match. Uh-huh. And I have it on my phone because oh my you know God. yeah, the two points on my phone. Oh. Um, and then oh when, it, when, it, when it got, I, I would throw the phone away. When I got back to Deuce, <laughs> I was like, I better I better put this down because I mean this could go on. And of course, it went on until you know which was the, the first in history tiebreak at twelve all. But uh, oh it was it was it, and there's actually an interesting video of Feder did basically the exact same play at forty thirty um, against Andy Murray when he won Wimbledon a few years before that. But is certain, and this would be interesting analytics for you, to, uh, you know, as a as a baseball guy, because baseball even more than tennis is more about you know the minute details, right? And Federer had a serve yeah. down the middle; it wasn't quite as good as he hit it against Murray as he hit against Djokovic. Djokovic got a little cleaner piece of it on the return. Murray was more at a stretch. Federer then had the short forehand, his favorite shot, went cross court to make his opponent hit the running forehand, 
which he did much cleaner against Murray and closer to the sideline. And Murray, who likes to defend the serve in a deeper position than, than Djokovic, he's not quite as quick, not quite as agile, so he gives up a little more space. So anyway, you put all these things, and Djokovic, meanwhile, was closer to the line. Federer's ball that he hit on the approach wasn't quite as precise, and Djokovic was able to move over and comfortably hit a forehand passing shot. Now, I say comfortably with an asterisk because it's still match point, the Wimbledon, Wimbledon final. And the, the shot yeah. that Murray tried to pass him on, uh, you know, he missed it by two feet because he was a little more out of position. Federer hit the ball a little bit better. It was the exact same pattern wow. that Federer was trying to do. And again, it sort of shows us, you know, and I know this is a big thing when you, you know, and I, I actually compare baseball not the overall game, but the game within the game, the pitcher to the hitter, to what goes on, you know, in a fight, in in a in a big time tennis match, that one on one battle. Right. Yeah. Wow. Uh, you're an amazing total recall. This is why you're the tennis expert. Incredible. Uh, I I don't remember specific shots. All I remember is he had two shots to win. Well, I'll do this. Here, to win. Here, here, you gave me something to look up, which I'm going to do. Now you go up and you look up match point. Feder Djokovic, the second match point. The first match point where he missed a pretty easy ball and then at 40-30, okay? Then go back to yeah. the match point when he beat Murray in the Wimbledon final okay. and look at the match point and then compare the two. That's wow. Your, that's your homework for me, okay? Amazing. Tell I'm, uh, I'm going to do it as much as I'm going to suffer. What, <laughs> what do you think it is? I, I mean, Federer to me is the most artistic player yes. and the most beautiful to watch and I mean, uh, he's just got incredible skill, mm-hmm. uh, and obviously he's incredibly mentally tough. But, I mean, what is it about Djokovic? He, he never loses the big point, it seems mm. like. He never, never. And Nadal, too. They, they, they are just amazing. Uh, it doesn't seem – are they the two most mentally tough players ever? I mean I, – I, I, said, I said this about Djokovic recently at one, one of those matches. Maybe it was this year's Australian – actually, it might have been the Wimbledon final, that one you're referring to last – not this – well, they didn't play this year. Last year, he's the clutchest player ever. I, he's, he's the clutchest player. Now, Nadal maybe you could make the argument the mentally toughest all around because Djokovic has his moments where he sort of loses it. But uh, yeah. Federer is the most, as you said, the most artistic player. And right. certainly, he, I wouldn't say he's the mentally toughest. He's mentally tough, but not compared. I would put the other not guys the, slightly ahead of him. He's the greatest offensive player. Yeah. Okay? He, and he's a really he, good defensive player, too. But in his, in his element, in his peak, he's the greatest offensive player. And Nadal's obviously absolutely. great defense and a, and, a, and a good offensive clay court player. Djokovic is the, is the purest, best all-around player. You know what I mean? Offense, defense. Yeah, I mean, Djokovic, defense. the return of serve is right. incredible. But to me, it's the mental toughness that, I mean, he just he, he just has this incredible will to win. It's just uh, outstanding. Uh, Federer, I think, is uh, your brother was so fantastic. Not just like you, you were certainly a top thirty player in your day, but barely. Your brother at the net <laughs> was amazing. Well, you were you were a top thirty, weren't you? I, I, snu- you I were. snuck into the top thirty, and I appreciate. Okay, you there you go. There I, you go. So I, I remembered bad. correctly. That's pretty good. What's, top thirty what, player. Not bad. What's John Heyman's bro- best shot? What's John Heyman's best <laughs> shot? I guess it's probably the serve. Okay. Uh, yeah, once the point's underway, I'm probably done. Uh, well, so you'd be but, a great, uh, you'd be a great pitcher. <laughs> I, 
I was just lamenting. I was just, in fact, today I'm on the Joe and Evan show. Uh, I don't know how, how I get into this, but I, I was talking about how I gave up two home runs in a Little League game mm. uh, at the Ogden Road School. It's probably, you probably don't know, that's a little bit away from Douglaston in, uh, in Valley Stream, Long okay, Island. Okay, yeah, close. And, you, you grew uh, up in Cedar. I gave him right? up in yeah. the same hitter, and it was the guy, Tony Ressler, and he was a round guy, and he wasn't that good. <laughs> and he hit two home runs, and the, I could still see the ball rolling to the Ogden Road School. Well, Tony Ressler now owns the Atlanta Hawks. Oh my goodness. And uh, he's married to Jamie Gertz, and uh, <laughs> he's now a very handsome guy. It was a complete. He had like uh, glasses on, which none of us did when we were ten years old. Right. And he was round, and he's now like six four, and looks like a model. And uh, he, he and I, I, he owns a part of the Brewers, and I went up to him and told him I remembered about the two home runs I gave up to him, and of course he didn't remember me, but he saw, he didn't even remember the two home runs in Little League. I couldn't believe it. I, I've never heard of anybody like that. This is so, where uh, this, this is why you remember, you know, when you're an athlete, you remember the, the losses more than the wins. You know, you know, those <laughs> tough losses. Athlete, but, <laughs> but, you know, and so listen. Yeah, listen, yeah. Listen. I remember when you were in the, in the, in the Final Four, I think at the Australian, right? That's with, right. Uh, that's right. Three all-time greats. It was you, and you had a funny line about that. I recall. I had, right? I had, I had the line of the year that year for yeah, for it was a good tennis. one. Yeah, it was. I, I said because I walked into the um, press room after I won in the quarterfinals, and uh, you know somebody said, "What do you think?" I said, "What What's the big surprise? Edberg, Lendl, Becker, McEnroe." <laughs> just, just put a P in front of McEnroe. That's all. And I'll tell you, and this is the last thing I'll tell you because you, you, you made this amazing, John, and this is why you have your own podcast and why I've been listening to you for years on MLB I really appreciate and, and WFAN. Do you remember when we did a radio show together a I couple do. times? I think we should do yeah. a couple more because this is a. This, we should do that. It was. Uh... This is Probably it. about 15, 20 years ago at uh, ESPN Radio in New York. I can still remember it. Easiest, easiest podcast I've ever done. This twenty nine minutes thirty three seconds, and it just you know I barely had to do anything. I love it. <laughs> I do talk right. a lot. I do tend to talk. Yeah, that's it's good. Been well, a that's... pleasure. You're you're the best. You're a fantastic tennis coach, teacher, very patient, and I love the fact that you're actually out there and uh, mixing in with the kids, even though you're a big time player and celebrity and the <laughs> owner of the uh camp it's not like you blow them off at all you're you're fantastic well, it's, it's a lot of fun I've, I've i've actually enjoyed it more and more in these last few years having a chance to be out there with uh kids like your kid and um you know coaches and all that so it's a lot of fun i appreciate again you doing this enjoy a little downtime you deserve it and uh we, uh, I'll need to find out in spring. Hopefully, we'll have a normal spring training next year, but who the heck knows it, w what my Yankees need to do to get over the top and who will be the owner of the New York Mets. <laughs> well, I we think it's going to be Steve Cohen, right? <laughs> if it's not, boy, the Mets fans are going to be pretty upset about that. Yeah, don't tell looking forward to him and his $15 billion, reportedly. I don't know that for a fact, but that's the reported that were pretty good. Maybe they'll spend some and money over. He's from your area too, isn't he? From Great Neck, right? Yeah, so that's right near where you grew up. Yep, yep. He's got a little more in the bank than I do, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. All right, you take care. Do a great job. All right, Patrick, everyone. it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Appreciate you having me on. Have a good one. Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe is powered by Mudhouse Media.